0: Beloved by God, Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the great privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all of the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, error, all of this, may it depart from the tents of your holy nation. And now, stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the Ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented into your godly hands by Apostle Arcadi, and we pray, continue to lead it, with all, your almighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May God bless you. Please be seated. The Book of Ephesians 4:22 through 24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life and the word new new form of life this is a life we have not been familiar with yet uh, as we were born in the old former way of life and to put off this former way of life we need to see this former life in ourselves and not in your father, not in your mother, not in your grandfather or grandmother. Everything we didn't like in them we need to see in our own personal life to hate it and to eradicate it by the power of the cross of Christ. And But while we see blemish in other Christians and fathers, mothers or anyone else, we will not be able to put off our former way of life. This former way of life which came which we have received from Adam we need to see it inside of ourselves and submerge ourselves into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ put it away in the death of Jesus so we can receive the new form of life in his resurrection and to fulfill this decreeing commandment Written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of, of Apostle Arcadi, we need to put three destiny impacting commanding and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happened. That is given. Uh, our salvation happens. That is given to us in the format of a seed, which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness and so the seed that will not become fruit will remain in the format of the seed of salvation and such a seed will be lost and so our salvation needs to pass from the state of seed into the state of fruit from the state of justification where jesus paid the price for us into the state of righteousness where we pay the price why? Does the Lord not allow people with the seed? He does with the seed. Uh, If a person uh, repented and and the next day had ended up in a catastrophe, he is saved in the seed. But a person who remains in the service and doesn't want to grow uh, his end will definitely be different. And unfortunately, some, even at their deathbed, begin to see scary uh, beings that visit him or her. It's necessary to obtain salvation as a possession or to convert it into the fruits of righteousness. Justification, Jesus showed his love for us. Righteousness as we show love to God. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, in which getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. We see that to put off our former way of life, we need to see... The, the specific enemies within ourselves, and we need to turn to the Lord for His assistance. Because just putting off our former way of life—it's uh, written very short and clear—but it's a long process, and the enemies will not just uh, allow this former way of life <clears throat> to be gone without blood and death. The process of death. The devil, when he comes out, he, di- he fights to the death. He doesn't fight uh, just in part or in some amounts. He And so the victorious one will be either the old man or the new man. And the one who is, again, victorious will be one or the other. <clears throat> and so let us look at this place of scripture where David... Uh, pleads with the Lord that he use his abilities against his enemies. This is a sufficiently strong enemy Psalm 18 one through 4. I love you Lord my strength the Lord is my rock my fortress and my deliverer my God is my rock in whom I take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies And so, eight names of God, let us proclaim them and confirm them within our confession. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear the confessions of the faith of our heart. May he confirm these within our hearts and make us worthy of these names. <clears throat> and so we have already studied the name of God, strength, and then rock, and now have been studying fortress. After we clothe ourselves into the power of the name of God, strength and weigh ourselves upon the scale scales of righteousness, cleansing ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit, with the abilities contained in the lot of the name of God Rock, we then received the right in Jesus Christ to the lot that is contained in His name Fortress, so that we can approach God. And so, first, in the lo- name of God Strength, we magnified the name of God. In the name of God Rock. We, with this word that we have magnified, in the first name, strength, and in the second name, rock, the word that we have magnified above all others, we begin to weigh ourselves upon the scales of righteousness to cleanse ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit. And after we have weighed ourselves and cleansed ourselves in the power of the name of God, rock, we then receive the right in Jesus Christ to approach him and call him our fortress. And so, Lord, you are my uh, strength. I have magnified your name, Lord, Rock, my rock is, I have weighed myself on scales and cleansed myself of the filth of the flesh and spirit, and Lord, you are my fortress, I approach you. The name of God, Fortress, used in the given prayer psalm as an inherited lot of the Son of God, where and by whom... A person can approach God so that he can know God and be fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven, containing the oath promises of God. In Hebrew, the name of God fortress is identified in scripture as God's habitation, God's house, God's sanctuary, unapproachable light in which God dwells, the place where man gets to know God, the opportunity to be fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven, the atmosphere of the success of God and joy of God, And the hope of God and trust of God. And so a very rich list of semantics of the name of God fortress. Practically, the fortress of God is a specific place where God abides. Within the boundaries of which we can know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. And this place is situated in three unique realms. Not one, but three, in the heights of the heavens, in the sanctuary, which identifies the body of Christ, the chosen by God remnant, and third, in the heart of man, who has a humble and contrite spirit, and who trembles before the preached word of God, spoken by a person who is clothed into the power of a father, and also spoken by the helpers of this person. And so the three realms... And they need to work with one another so that we can approach Him. And if in one of these areas, these realms, whether it be the heights of the heavens or the sanctuary, the church, or the the humble and contrite spirit that trembles before God and His word, then we can approach God. Because to approach God is to come to the place where God is. You say, Lord, I am in heaven. I'm in the sanctuary, and I'm in a humble and contrite spirit. The Lord says that's where he is in these three. And if we don't have a humble and contrite spirit, but we have a wonderful church, and we have the wonderful heavens, then we do not approach God as our fortress. You need to have a humble spirit that trembles before his word. The three specific places that allow us to call the Lord as Lord, you are my fortress. Therefore, the verb run to or approach God as our fortress contains the opportunities giving man the ability <clears throat> to be fertilized with the seed of the promise belonging to the door of his hope, in the fruit of which God receives the legitimate ability to, to join the battle for our body so that he can destroy the stronghold of death within our body and forever thrust the old man from out of our body with noise by the armor, trust, and foundation known as the stronghold of death within our body. Let's see how God will thrust out with noise the stronghold of death, the old man, who represents hell and death for us, ourselves. He will do this using our fruit, Methuselah, whom we will bear together. And to bear Methuselah is only possible if... We know God as our Lord, who is our fortress. And that means an absolute harmony with heaven, with the church. Very important how we treat one another. And in this, we then can determine whether we're in uh, the power of God's covenant. Because when we don't have a covenant with the church, or it's broken then we are not able to approach God. If we can't approach God, then we can't be conceived, uh, fertilized with the oath promises of God, and that means we can't bear Methuselah, and that means we can't drive away death. That means that the promise that, that belongs to the door of our hope is not going to be ours but someone else's. In Hebrew, the phrase to run to or approach God means to approach the altar, commence to know God, enter the sanctuary of God, get closer to God, resort to God's help, finding yourself in the fortress of God, being fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven, grow fruit for God. Therefore, every time God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows man to run to or to approach him, then as a result of such contact, we will always have a corresponding fruit in that area in which we approached him. Considering this, as with the previous names of God, we need to note that the presence of the fortress of God in one area of our life does not in any way mean that it is automatically guaranteed to be present in the given name fortress in another area of our life. Since according to the statements of Scripture, for the presence of the fortress of God, every individual area of our life needs to be brought to proper condition where the, power, where the power of God would be able to reproduce the fruit of the fortress in this area in the form of our salvation. In the area in which we are in need, we approach God within that area that we are in need of help and we need to bring it to proper condition before him. Therefore, it is specifically us in every individual area of our essence who are responsible for creating such an atmosphere which would be able to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress. And such an atmosphere called to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress is the good soil of our heart, able to receive the seed of the word of God and grow fruit corresponding to the nature of the seed we have received." And so this is in any area any aspect of our life <clears throat> that is in need of help uh fixing <clears throat> and so we need to create an atmosphere for god good soil uh so that we can and this good soil how can i determine that i have uh good soil and so <clears throat> if I come to Pastor and I say, Pastor, uh, uh, I need help in this area or in this area, and Pastor gives us instruction and, and information on how to uh, handle the certain situation or within the area we need help, uh, we need to then uh, obey and listen to that information. But if we're being picky and choosy and not liking certain things and liking other things, then... It will not work. And so if I again have these questions, someone's giving me the person that is over me gives me the information that I need, uh and I don't like it and choose not to do it, then nothing else will take place or happen. <clears throat> And for this purpose, just as we studied the previous names of God called to be the individual lot of our salvation, we need to study the following series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress? Second, what purpose is our inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress called to fulfill in realizing our salvation? Third, what price do we are we required to pay so that we can give God the ability to be our fortress and forth by what results do we determine that God is truly our fortress in the realization of our calling and we have been studying the first question let us read it what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God fortress In the previous services, we already looked at six identifying characteristics of our inherited lot contained in the Name of God Fortress, and today we will study the seventh. The seventh identification of the Fortress of God is the fear of the Lord, which, in the purpose of the wellspring of life, distances us from the snares of death. And so we will dedicate two services uh, discussing the fear of the Lord. Today we will identify it and its purpose. And in the next service, we will be able to talk about the price that is required for the fear of the Lord and the results by which we can determine that we actually have the fear of the Lord in our life. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and His children will have a place of refuge for whom is god a fortress the one that is in the fear in fear before him or has his fear for such sons god w- says that he will be their place of refuge their fortress the sons of god is the the sons of God is the category of people who are filled with the fear of the Lord and abide within the fear of the Lord, representing for them the fortress of God, where they can be fertilized with the seeds of the, right, of the righteousness of God so that they can then produce the fruits of righteousness called to reign within their bodies in the form of the stronghold of eternal life. Romans 5.21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The reign of grace within our heart through the righteousness of our heart is required for our abiding in the fear of the Lord and the fear of the Lord abiding in us. And so the reign of grace requires that we have the fear of the Lord, how important that we have this element and understanding of the fear of the Lord. Therefore, the fruit or result of the fear of the Lord within our heart will always be the fruit of righteousness manifested in the confession of the faith of our heart. Proverbs thirty-one thirty thirty-one. 31, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates the fruit of the woman who fears the Lord at the gate of her lips is confessing the faith of God with your mouth the faith that abides within your heart within the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord and so the woman that fears the Lord she will have fruit and her works will praise her in her gates and so this is the fruit that we confess with our mouth (coughs) which is known as the faith of our heart or the faith of god that abides within our heart which is in the atmosphere of the lord the lord's fear (coughs) the lord will easily determine when we confess the faith of god how can you determine that a person is confessing the faith of of God or not God's faith? The faith of God needs to first be in the heart. If it is in the heart, then it absolutely will be within the atmos- within the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. Determining how uh, a person preaches or prays you can often will By looking at how a person will preach or pray, you can uh, often uh, easily define whether this person is doing it within God's fear or out of it. The fear of the Lord within the temple of our body is likened to three sacral items that were present in the tabernacle of Moses. These are the golden ark. Uh, And so, again, we're here trying to determine do we have the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord within the temple of our body, And so, what was within this, uh, within the Tabernacle of Moses? These are the Golden Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments, the Rod of Aaron, and Manna. And so, by this, we can determine whether we have the Ark, and whether we have the Lord's fear, because having, uh, and so the, the Tablets of the Covenant, uh, the Rod of Aaron, the Manna, they... Uh, Help us determine whether we have the fear of the Lord The tablets of the covenant Identify God's holiness within us The Ten Commandments The tablets of the covenant They are first in the law of Moses The handwriting that God had written against the sinner And this handwriting Was written against us Contrary to us As it With its power It gave power to the old man and so it condemned the old man to death and it was a very important component the tablets of the covenant need to be in our heart the service of justification begins when you can show uh... God that you have these ten commandments the tablets of the covenant this is the holiness that i demonstrate and it needs to be the one that. And it needs to be the one that. Uh, a, a holiness that does not condemn us. And so to have this holiness that does not condemn us, we need to have the rod of Aaron. And so the rod of Aaron that was blooming allows us to transform the, the tablets of the covenant. Uh, n- uh, transform it from our enemy into our friend, and so the handwriting that it become instead of our enemy to be our friend, so that it uh, be the holiness of God within us. And such a person, uh, it, it will be dangerous to harm such a person because they will be attempting to harm then God Himself. But this is not enough. Uh, the rod of Aaron that blooms also. Uh, is identified by the golden vessel with manna, and this is the good heart of a person where the teaching of Christ is written by the Spirit of the living God. The golden vessel with manna, with the teaching he had eradicated the previously written of, against us handwriting, the contrary to us handwriting. Again, the golden vessel with the manna has destroyed the handwriting of requirements that was contrary to us. the Ten Commandments, and how did he eradicate it? Eradicate it in the way that it, instead of being our enemy, has become our friend, Uh, and such a person then will not be able to be harmed, because this is now the holiness of the Lord, and all of this is due to the blooming rod of Aaron, the resurrection of Christ within our life, where we have died uh, by the law, for the law, and have died for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires, and have resurrected with Christ and so these three the tablets of the covenant, our holiness, the rod of of Aaron, the resurrection of Christ, and manna, the teaching that is written by the hand of the li- of the Spirit of God, and that which is in our heart. If in the heart of man there is an absence of the fear of the Lord, then all of his good works will be qualified as evil, since the fear of the Lord is one of the elements of the fruit of virtue. Isaiah 11, 1-3 There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears. The congregation of people who call themselves a Church of Christ but does not teach the fear of the Lord and are only familiar with this fear in the form of slogans loses its right to be called the Church of Christ and are subject to absolute destruction from the midst of the Church of Christ. In the world, there is an innumerable amount of true fear and various phobias. And so phobia is uh, without reason uh, fear. It's not justifiable fear. If you stand uh, at the brink of, of a cliff, this is a justifiable fear. But f- the phobias are non justifiable forms of fear. It's a type of, uh, uh, it's uh, someone who doesn't really have reason for it but still has this fear uh, going on inside. But all of these forms of fear are incomparable to the unearthly form of fear which comes from the ruling, all-crushing and awesome name of the Most High, which is found within all of the existing names of God, called to be the lot of our inheritance in Christ Jesus and in part in the name Fortress. This is the reason Scripture offers triumphant overcoming of fear over the enemy Hell, death, and his judgment, because people are afraid of all of this as well. Judgment, the Christian and non-Christian are fr- are afraid of it, and so you ask the question, "What will you do when you stand before God?" And I look at how th- how these so-called wise people uh, respond to this question. It's interesting when the question is asked. you can tell immediately by their eyes that they do have a shock and somewhat of a fear in their eyes uh, and they often will be quite uh... pretty quiet uh, they're not just afraid of the enemy and hell and death they're afraid of god himself and to stand before his judgment To dull the feeling of fear, a person colluding with the deceptive powers of darkness invented and continues to invent all kinds of active self-sacrifice of so-called good work and evangelism or various forms of entertainment distracting and intoxicating his mind. A person who has taught the fear of the Lord and who knows the fear of the Lord present within the fortress of God rises above all forms of fear and is freed from all of these forms of fear. Considering this we need to note that the measure or extent a person fills himself with the fear of the Lord is equal to then the measure or extent he will become free of all sorts of earthly fear and personal phobias. This is because a proper reaction to the fear of the Lord will determine our proper reaction to the fortress of God. However, to be filled with the fear of the Lord and discover yourself in the fortress of God, it is necessary to establish its wellspring and give it the identification that God gives it within His written word. First, the fear of what is the fear of the Lord? Let's look at eight of them. Identification of what the fear of the Lord is. First, the fear of the Lord present within the fortress of God is one of the names and virtues of our Heavenly Father. Isaiah 8.13 The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Both the place where God abides as well as the acts that God performs upon this place produce the fear of the Lord. False signs and wonders do not produce the fear of the Lord as they create a euphoria the noise of disorder and arrogance because the goal of false miracles is to blind a man. At the same time signs and wonders that are generated by the Holy Spirit enlighten a person and produce the fear of the Lord from which the heart of man trembles and is humbled under the strong arm of God. The scriptures say that fear had captivated all, and they spoke of the great works that God had done. <clears throat> and they did these things when Jesus was uh, doing all the great miracles that he was doing. They worshipped in the fear of the Lord. This is uh, what legitimate miracles and signs. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, will promote a person to worship within the fear of the Lord. This was the first that our fear is the Lord Himself. Second, the fear of the Lord, present within the fortress of God, flows from information of the wisdom of God. Psalm one, eleven, ten: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments, His praise endures forever what our mind is dependent upon is what our fear, faith and worship will be. <coughs> and so again very important that our mind is independence <coughs> upon the Lord. A mind is faithful for those who fulfill his commandments, his under a good understanding of all those who do his commandments. Third, the fear of the Lord present within the fortress of God flows from the holiness of God and is holiness. Thus says the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and am hallowed in them in the sight of the gentiles then they will dwell in their own land which i gave to my servant jacob and they will dwell safely there build houses and plant vineyards yes they will dwell securely when i execute judgment on all those around them who despise them then they shall know that i am the lord their god e- ezekiel twenty-eight, twenty-five, twenty-six. 26 this happens when people are within the fear of the Lord he says I will be hallowed within them he will glorify himself within his people and will be divine in the day for all who believe the Lord needs to be glorified within the Saints and then he will come for those Saints And then he will come with these saints. And all of this happens in the fear of the Lord. The Lord demonstrates his holiness. He will demonstrate his glory in his people. When he will establish the stronghold of life within our bodies, then he will come for his saints. And then he will come with them back to earth in the saints first then for the saints and then with the saints and he will come here then to rule with his church for a thousand years and this of course will not yet happen until he glorifies himself first fourth we continue to talk about what the fear of the Lord is let's identify it because to approach God is to approach and be within the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord And I don't think anyone would argue with that. In any denomination, you you will say, in any denomination, even a non-Christian person, when you come into God's presence, should the fear of the Lord be there? There's not a denomination that will say, no. They'll say, of course, it's God himself. But when you talk about what the fear of the Lord entails, then uh, people are not as willing to listen. But they do understand the basic of, being within God's presence will promote and and require a fear before Him. We are looking at at the Word of God. Fourth, the fear of the Lord present within the fortress of God produces humility and is a demonstration of humility. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Proverbs twenty two four. And so, the fear of the Lord follows humility, if there's no humility there's no fear of the Lord and so question how can I be humble to be humble you need to be gentle Jesus said take my yoke upon me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls Matthew eleven twenty nine: take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and so it turns out that the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord requires humility, and humility comes from gentleness. And we need to receive this from for our spirit, soul, and body. Gentleness is identified how? Not just because you're silent and not speaking much, or just being extremely polite, these are not bad qualities to have. People are like this are liked. It's hard to uh, have conflicts with them. But a gentle person is one who disciplines his mouth and only says what God wants him to say. Because sometimes God says, speak. And you say, well, I'm gentle and I stay silent. So what, what kind of gentleness is this? Jesus was gentle, but he broke bones, and people would come out of their own skin. The first sermon that he spoke Uh, the ser- first sermon he spoke, he spoke uh, a, a very gentle, as it were, or meek uh, sermon. And people were enraged and angry at his sermon. And if you can imagine, people try to stone you or try to kill you after you uh, would speak the words that the Heavenly Father wanted you to speak. And so we discipline our mouth. How do we discipline our mouth? Uh, we need the bridle. People that are in certain areas of the world know how to discipline uh, a horse. You need to put a bridle upon it and then the saddle. We are always trying to put the saddle to be able to discipline our emotions, but nothing's working because you can't put a saddle upon a horse that is not trained. You need to first put the bits. The bridle, and then put the saddle. We need all of us. To, uh, so, for all of us to become then this prince or and this king, a prince who 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 has control over his horse, a very important component. Because Jesus, when he comes with, for his church, he will come only with kings or with princes, only with princes. The scriptures say who he will come with. He will first rapture those whom He will return with. It says, I saw the heavens opened, and the Son of God coming down from heaven on a white horse, the one that is faithful and true, who righteously judges. And it was the word of God, which is Jesus Christ. Was He alone? No. He was then accompanied with heavenly hosts and those who followed on the white horses. And how were they sitting on their horses? Before you put the saddle that you are sitting on, first you need to put the bridle. Otherwise, it will not be possible to discipline your emotions. And so, all of us have emotion. You may hear this phrase well, I'm just an emotional person. And so, when the emotions come, just stand and don't say anything. You want to say, but don't say anything. Just try to be silent. And so you just put this bridle and you pull on it, you pull the rein, and you stop your horse from being able to do anything. And you will quietly then uh, be able to sit on this horse and go where and direct it to where you want it to go. H- humility. Again, meekness, gentleness produces humility, humility uh, in the fear of the Lord. if the fear of the Lord, present within the fortress of God, is clean, endures forever, and is demonstrated in the judgments of the Lord. N- Psalm 19 9 through 11. The fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether more to be desired are they than gold yea than much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb moreover by them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is great reward and so the fear of the Lord is within God's judgments demonstrated in God's judgments. And the judgments of God are in God's holiness. If you remember how Korah and the people confronted Moses, they stood at the he- at the front of the tabernacle and the glory of God appeared and the Lord began to speak. Why did the glory of God appear? Because and the reason it did is because the fear of the Lord was there. In Moses' heart, there was fear for God. There was God's glory. And so the fear of the Lord will make itself known in God's judgments. And the Lord will demonstrate his glory in his judgments, where he will condemn the lawless and wicked and reward the righteous. Sixth, the fear of the Lord present within the fortress of God is an identification of the love of God, agape which drives away all forms of earthly fear because these two, contrary to one another, forms of fear cannot coexist or dwell together. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. but And so, of course, this is love agape, the holy, selective love of God. Tolerant love, there is fear. Why is it tolerant? Because I'm afraid to offend someone. I'm afraid to offend someone, and so... They asked one evangelist on the television, from, he was a, a pastor of a mega church, and so they asked him, can you only come to God through Jesus Christ, but he said, and so he said, well, first I'll say that there are millions of people watching our channel, uh, Muslims, Christians, atheists, and other simple people. And he was cowardly and then the question was asked again can, can you only come to god through jesus christ he says well you know i think i i i think let us look at it from different angles uh in the bible it says these this and this in the bible it says there is no other way to god and he says well you need to interpret it correctly and I see that the uh, leader was behaving this way and there was a woman that was next to him and she had more faith than he did made the Lord save the young people from being uh, drawn to these lawless and wicked people and so because he is a man for sale. Any of the earthly forms of fear produce suffering. At the same time, the fear of the Lord produces the opposite, a tremulous reverence and an indescribable delight and boldness. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so this is the very atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. If someone asks you, Where is the fear of the Lord? Power, love, and a sound mind. And sound mind... In the sound mind, meaning also in other interpretations, also known as being chaste, and not being attracted by uh, various winds of doctrine, leave the carnal state, leave infancy, spiritual infancy, um... And so we then receive the Lord as our Lord and uh, the Holy Spirit as our Lord and our, our Master and refuse to be attracted by various winds of doctrine because we have the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord has power, the love of God agape, not a tolerant love, and a sound mind, <clears throat> a person who is has left spiritual infancy and produces fruits of righteousness. Spiritual maturity. Not having a sound mind, sound mind is being carnal and being attracted by, by various winds of doctrine. Seventh, the fear of the Lord present within the fortress of God is treasure that is imperishable and undefiled. Isaiah 33, 6. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. And eighth, the fear of the Lord present within the fortress of God is the altar of the Lord, which we are called to approach so that we can serve in the sanctuary within the temple of our body. Psalm forty three four five. 5. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And so to approach this altar is to approach the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. The atmosphere of the fear of the Lord is identified by the presence of joy and gladness within the heart. The atmosphere of upright joy and gladness is examined by our relationship with the carriers of righteousness and the carriers of lawlessness and so how many angles we could see here this uh, the sphere of the Lord where we can look into and see we need to have this unearthly joy and gladness and this happens when we examine ourselves and how we our relationship with the righteous and the and the law and the lawless Hebrews 1 7 through 9 and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And so it's evident that Jesus was within the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord he was the very fear of the Lord and the Lord hated lawlessness and loved righteousness therefore our heart becomes a fortress for God when the power of, in, of our indignation for the wicked and transgressor is equal to the power of love we have for the carriers of the righteousness of God. a very powerful uh, uh, statement to make and so if we are having this anger, this indignation toward the wicked and the lawless, the transgressor it also needs to be equal, the power of it needs to be equal to the power of love for the carriers of righteousness and so you sometimes can see a person being angry uh, toward the wicked But it needs to be balanced with your love for the righteous and the right, and those who carry it. If we have anger or we have this indignation within us, and it overweighs the love for righteousness, this doesn't work before God's eyes. (laughs) As we know in Scripture, it says, "The one who is perfect in knowledge, in perfect balance, the scales need to uh, need to be equal." and this is again how we treat righteousness how we treat lawlessness and its carriers and that was the seventh identification of the fear of the Lord what role does the fear of the Lord play within our heart and upon our lips within the relationship of God with man and man with God what is the role what is the purpose of this fear of the Lord let us look at eight of these purposes first being filled with the fear of the Lord within the fortress of God is called to give a person the ability to know God. And so someone may ask you, what is the purpose of the fear of the Lord? It allows me to know Him, to know God. When we approach God, we say, Lord, you are my fortress. We approach Him in the, within the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord so we can know Him. Proverbs 2, 3-6 Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The fear of the Lord is power that gives us the right to run to the fortress of God so that we can get to know God. A person that does not have the fear of the Lord or is not taught and is not filled with the fear of the Lord does not know God and does not love God. How can you love a God you do not know or not made any effort to know? Therefore, the existing assertions or claims of foolish people that you can love God without having the fear of the Lord is, ab- is absurd. Getting to know God in the fortress of God, we in this way merge with him into one. Furthermore, knowledge about God, which we obtain by being filled with the fear of the Lord in the fortress of God, is called to place us into Christ, and in turn place Christ into us. Therefore, when we, by the means of the fear of the Lord, by getting to know God in the fortress of his name, are placed into Christ, he represents our interests on earth, in heaven and in hell. And, of course, such knowledge about God by the means of the fear of the Lord in the fortress of God happens by learning, where a person is called to pay a daily price of humility for his learning. <clears throat> Proverbs 15:33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Considering all of this, we conclude that getting to know God by learning the fear of the Lord gives us the ability to follow the commandments of God and opens the way into the fortress of God. Deuteronomy 5.29 Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all of my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. And so you can see here in what way do we know God? We know God by learning. And for learning, you need to pay a daily price of humility. And so the price of learning needs to be, and it's a daily price of humility. It is a currency that never uh, devalues in any way. Second, being filled with the fear of the Lord within the fortress of God is called to prompt uh, it's called to prompt or bring about trust in God in the form of His delegated authority thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord has done in Egypt so people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses Exodus fourteen thirty one. only after the nation feared the Lord did they believe the Lord and Moses. We can conclude that an absence of the fear of the Lord is also an absence of faith without which a man cannot please God. Saints who do not trust the delegated authority of God do not have the fear of the Lord, opening the way to God or making access to God, and furthermore they are not able to receive the Son or the Father into their heart. John thirteen twenty. Most assur- Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And whatever trickery a person may default to to justify his distrust for the saints whom God has personally placed over them, they do it to benefit the teachers that they themselves have chosen instead. We know well that in his nature a person naturally and easily receives fables as the truth and it is absolutely not natural for him and uncomfortable for him to receive the truth which would be able to free him from the sinful inheritance of his fathers second timothy four three four for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And that time has come. There will come a time, it says. He wrote this to the young apostle, the time will come when they will not receive sound doctrine. Such behavior is always and expressly a choice a, a man makes testifying of the fact that he resists and rejects being filled with the fear of the Lord for the benefit of accomplishing his his whims, and consequently the inherited lot contained in the fortress of God is unacceptable and inaccessible to such self-murderers that are deceived with arrogance of the mind and passing off the emissions of their mind as the revelations of the Holy Spirit. And so what can we conclude here that if we have the fear of the Lord and we are filled with the fear of the Lord, then we will have trust in God and trust those people whom God has sent into our life. Absolutely. Trust God and trust these people. If a person says, I trust God, but in the church they don't have their spiritual authority, then we need to know that, that such a person does not have the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. They cannot approach God or call God their fortress. This was the second. The third, being filled with the fear of the Lord with, within the fortress of God, is called to protect us from sin. Exodus 20.20 20. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. A person who is not filled with the fear of the Lord, which would lead him into the fortress of God, has not, does not have any protection or safety against sin. 2 Chronicles 26.5 He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And so the Lord teaches us the fear of the Lord so that we not sin when when we approach God by coming to the person whom God has placed, who shows us the Lord and teaches us and in this way the Lord keeps us from sin as soon as we stop coming to the person whom God has sent as soon as we stop approaching God in the form of his people then we open ourselves to sin a very important element fourth being filled with the fear of the Lord within the fortress of God is called to participate in our making atonement for iniquity and leading us away from evil. Proverbs 16, 6. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. According to the given proverb, we conclude that mercy and truth are derivatives of the fear of the Lord. The phrase atone for iniquity means not pay attention to the committed act to show mercy or demonstrate mercifulness toward vessels of mercy. Demonstrating mercy for vessels of mercy, God then accounts this to us as righteousness. Matthew 1.19 Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. A person who is not led by the fear of the Lord does not possess the ability to demonstrate mercy toward vessels of mercy, but at the same time is able to show mercy toward vessels of wrath. And let us look at an, another example. Look at let's look at Pilate. He showed mercy to a vessel of wrath, and condemned the vessel of righteousness. John eighteen thirty through forty. Pilate said to him, to Jesus, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And Pilate, he did not have the fear of the Lord, and he justified Bar- uh, Barabbas and released and then condemned Christ to death. A person who did not possess the fear of the Lord, although the wife of Pilate, he said, this wife of Pilate uh, told him, I suffered all night and. <clears throat> And she's told Pilate, make sure no harm comes to him. Literally, they're telling Pilate from all sides, "Don't do this." But he did not have the fear of the Lord, and he committed Christ to death. <clears throat> and the vessel of wrath, he justified. At the same time, Joseph, being a just man, he was going to put her away quietly. He was to he wanted to be merciful, and, very surprised by Maria. joseph and mary uh, mary she she hid it she hid the fact that she saw the angel that she was pregnant until it obviously it became obvious surprising the humility of this young lady and joseph also an example to follow By the law, he was supposed to bring her out before the Sanhedrin so that they stone her. But this person was under grace. This was a prince. And he was looking for every way to save her and wanted to secretly put her away. Until the angel, of course, uh, visited him and explained what happened. Fifth. We're talking about the purpose. What is the purpose of the fear of the Lord? Fifth, being filled with the fear of the Lord within the fortress of God is called to bring about hate for evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and a perverse mouth. Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and an evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. According to the given proverb, we conclude that a person who is not able to hate evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and a perverse mouth does not have the fear of the Lord in himself, or more specifically has rejected it, does not have knowledge about the fortress of God, and cannot be allowed into the fortress of God, because allegiance and tolerance towards such things identified in scripture as evil and today are widely encouraged and welcomed do not only resist holiness but are fully inconsistent with the understanding of holiness that is demonstrated in the fear of the lord therefore a person filled with the fear of the lord will be irreconcilable or inca- in- incompatible with such allegiance and such tolerance whatever it may cost him such an incompatible position or nature to evil will give a person the ability to take god to make God his fortress so that he can enter the presence of the Lord and be fertilized with the seeds of the word of truth. And so the fear of the Lord is to hate all of those qualities. Evil, pride, all of these uh, negative qualities. And hate by hating them that means you have the Lord's fear in you. Sixth, being filled with the fear of the Lord within the within the fortress of God, is called to turn a person away from the snares of death and add days to his life. Proverbs fourteen twenty seven, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, to turn one away from the snares of death. Practically, in this proverb, we see two opposing one another types of snares called to entrap, entrap a person. <clears throat> These are the snares of life, in the form of the fear of the Lord and the snares of death in the form of human fear. We have noted more than once that to be caught into someone's snare means to follow someone or to be enticed by someone. We conclude therefore that there is a person standing behind every snare, the one who catches And a person stands behind every snare who is in turn caught himself into a specific snare and is a representative of this snare that he himself is caught in. If a person is caught into the snare of life, he himself then becomes a snare of life for those he encounters. If a person is caught into the snare of death, he himself becomes a snare of death for those he encounters. First Corinthians 15:33. Do not be deceived; evil company corrupts good habits. And whatever type of evil company it may be, demonstrating criminal toleration and tolerance toward them, we just lie then to ourselves and those who we are in contact with. Such people absolutely do not have the fear of the the Lord in themselves and are far from being able to approach God or to get close to God in his fortress. The fear of the Lord distances us from the snares of death. In other words, catches us into the snares of life every person makes a choice what kind of snares he will be caught in every person upon planet earth and especially every christian he chooses the snares that he will be caught into the snares of life and snares of death and behind every snare there's a person and in his time that person was also caught into a snare either a snare of life or snare of death and so, how can you open your heart and listen to a preacher and tell you d- determine whether this person is caught in uh, determine whether he's caught into a snare of death or snare of life? And so, people, you will ask, the- hear the question asked: Why can't we have friends in the world? You can have, say, companions at w- of wo- in your workplace. Uh, fellow uh, companions, uh, in as co-workers, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But they can't be uh, friends in the form of uh, something that we share uh, on a much more close le- level. Uh, if it's uh, regarding work and business, that's different. But a friend is someone, uh, the friend that we're talking about is not someone you share business with but have a, a like-mindedness with, and, and it's a lot more of a close relationship with this person. And the reason you don't want to have this kind of close relationship is because they are also caught into snares of death. Or you'll hear young men or women say, well, in school I have a lot of friends. They're not friends uh, in the in the." In the sense uh, that 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 close relationship of a friend, uh, they're caught to snares of death. And I've almost never seen uh, young men or women actually draw or bring people that are in the wor- in their school system or somewhere else into church and they would convert and become better people Christian people what often happens is the opposite where they are drawn into the world and then uh go into the way of sin and then have to come and repent for what they what they uh were doing they then return have to return to God and so let us not deceive ourselves Because evil company does corrupt good habits. And let's keep remembering that. Seventh. We're talking about the purpose of the fear of the Lord. Being filled with the fear of the Lord within the fortress of God. Is called to free a person from the dependence of scarcity. Both in the realm of the spirit and the realm of the natural world. Psalm 34 9. O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Scarcity is a continuous insufficiency of means for living, both in the realm of the spirit as well as the realm of the natural world, and however much a person earns, all his laborious rewards seem to slip through the creases of his fingers. Addressing the issue of scarcity, newly appeared leaders of religious congregations instead of studying the discipline of the fear of the lord and stepping into the boundaries of the fortress of the most high they offer all types of economic programs leading people away from the fear of the lord and into the snares of death proverbs 19:23. the fear of the lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction he will not be visited with evil an absence of satisfaction with life is an absence of the fear of the Lord which typically leads you to the satisfaction of life and so in, an insufficiency of means for living either in the physical world or in the spiritual world as you hear people say well, I, never money, I never have enough money and never have enough money and you will hear this quite a bit this is scarcity uh, the scarcity of the spirit And so if a healthy man is not working, uh then this is a, a a different situation, but if a person's working, it's earning, but it's not enough or ever enough. And often this can be because he sees someone has a better car, so he says uh, he sees that somebody has a better other things and he continues to try to uh upgrade or update and and of course uh not live within his means. In the given parable, it implies that scarcity is evil and its absence is a demonstration of the order of life coming from the fear of the Lord and understandably the fact that being filled with the fear of the Lord is linked to destroying the strongholds of scarcity. Second Chronicles fourteen fourteen. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. And so this happens when we begin. And so the enemy Gerar, a very terrible city, small city that cannot be taken over without the fear of the Lord. This is being non, not being content with what you have, or continuously not being content, not being happy with what you have. Uh, this this is the city, Gerar. We need to destroy this, uh, this city and be content and be happy with what God has allowed you to have. Eighth, being filled with the fear of the Lord within the fortress of God is called to protect us from infringement upon our labor and possessions by the uncrucified flesh. It's talking about Laban and Jacob in this case. Genesis 31:42. Jacob said to Laban, Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Genesis 31, 53, Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And so Jacob had the fear, the fear of his father Isaac. And so Isaac passed on to him this fear and he swore with this fear. And after this, he Laban could not uh, in any way claim what j- belonged to Jacob. The soul always wants to steal and deceive and take from the spirit. But Jacob our spirit said enough. I will turn to the fear of my father Isaac. And Laban understood that that he can't do anything against Isaac. Deuteronomy 225. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon nations under the whole heaven. You shall hear the report of you, and you shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. There is a difference between when God puts the dread and fear of a person upon the nations, and when a person himself puts the dread and fear upon the nations. Let us not spread our own, but let God do it. And this happens when we are placed into the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord, when we are humbled before his, his truth that we have heard today, and we confess with our mouth. May you be blessed. Let us pray. Let us bend our heads and our knees. And we will thank God for the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord, which abides upon this place, and that is within our heart. Let us pray. Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ we are grateful for the great privilege to be upon this place the place that contains all of your godly names the enemy has attempted to take this place more than one time but you Lord have established it for your chosen remnant you have established it for your church for your saints Because upon this place is the fear of Isaac, is the fear of the Lord. And we thank you that we today come to you, we approach you. We, and this is because we at one point of our life magnified your name of God, Rock. And we agreed, according to scripture, to be weighed upon the scale plates of your name, Rock, and in your strength we magnified your name, and in your name, Rock, we weigh ourselves by the uh, magnified word, and so you reveal yourself to us as your our fortress, and we come to you, so that all the oath promises that are written in the word of God, that have been offered to us in your preached word, so that they become the possession of our heart. We receive this word. And we pray that the seed that we have received into our heart, that it would be able to produce fruit, produce fruit, by which you will be able to then destroy the stronghold of death in our body, and in its place erect the stronghold of life and resurrection. We thank you that you are our fear, you are our trembling and our dread. We. Thank you that your fear has not just filled this place. The atmosphere of fear also fills the heavens and the atmosphere of fear fills our humble and contrite hearts that tremble before your word because in our hearts we have love for you in the the atmosphere of brotherly love. And this drives away all human fear because in fear there's suffering. And the one who's afraid is not perfect in love. Thank you that you have given us this atmosphere in your strength. You have given it to us in your uh, in our ability to put away all uh, various winds of doctrine and put away this spiritual infancy, this carnality. And we focus upon the word, upon that person whom you've given to us, We thank you for this person whom you had caught into your snares of the kingdom And we thank you that through the word, that word that you give to us from him And that we confess with the confessions of our mouth We are catching ourselves into snares of the kingdom of heaven And are placed into the atmosphere of eternal life and eternal resurrection Thank you that today you have delivered us from the snares of death because we made the decision to be caught into the snares of life and resurrection. We thank you for the presence of the fear of the Lord in this place, for the presence of it in our heart. We pray that our hearts be filled and overfilled with love for the vessels of mercy and that they be filled with indignation of God's holiness toward vessels of wrath. Allow us to perform your righteousness and judgment, perform your mercy in the fear of the Lord, and be merciful toward vessels of mercy, and call forth your judgment and your godly wrath written upon your word, written in your word against the vessels of wrath. Thank you for this mercy and this great privilege. We pray that we can be clothed into your godly wrath power into the garments of righteousness into the robe of justice and be clothed into the power of the name of God Yahweh of hosts we thank you we thank you for your glory that today is in your word we thank you for your Holy Spirit who reveals to us today the significance of this word allow us today to receive this word within the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord and produce fruit that will be able to drive away the state of death within our essence our body we thank you that you have placed made our spirit already eternal our renewed soul is also in the state of eternal life and we pray that by confessing with our mouth you will be able to place our bodies into the state of eternal life. We pray today about all the saints, all the saints that are are suffering, that are ill, that are in need, that you show your mercy. And we thank you that the Sun of Righteousness rises, and we believe we will receive healing in its rays. And with the Son of Righteousness is your word, your word that will rise within our hearts and will shine in the glory of your day. We pray that you reveal yourself glorious in the day to come, and that you come and be glorified within your saints, who have submerged themselves today in the fear of the Lord, so that you can then comfort these saints, and then with these saints come back to then govern on earth we thank you for the revelation that we have heard thank you for our pastor brother kadi for the person whom you have placed within your nation to be the fisher of men you caught him into the snare of life and we thank you that the life of this person is bound very Tightly within the life of God. We pray that you show your mercy for your people and so that we may be able to hear the revelations that you have put into his heart, hear them with his mouth, from his mouth, so that there not be any problems or any inter- interruption. We thank you for your times. We thank you. We continue to. Confirm your righteousness, your justice, and we wait for your mercy. We wait for your mercy in humility and in trembling. We know that time is within your hands. And we know that there's not a lot of time left. Even the enemy knows about it. That's why he's preparing. To come out to this final battle where you will, together with your saints, together with the hosts of heaven, the armies of heaven that will walk with you, will come with you, will accompany you and will perform this final work, this judgment. You will condemn the son of sin. perform your judgment within our bodies and may with noise the old man be thrusted out from our bodies who represents the stronghold of death. And may your mercy be upon us and we are within the presence of your mercy and we thank you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven,